and welcome to the Corny and Lind Legal Chatter Podcast, where we discuss different but likely scenarios, provide general legal information, and get to know our lawyers. Please note that this podcast series does not provide or intends to provide legal advice. Good morning and welcome to another podcast of Legal Chatter here at Corny and Lind. My name is Hilala Tambete and I'm a director with Corny and Lind and it gives me great pleasure to introduce uh, Ms. Fadzai Mamvora, who is one of our newest lawyers to the team. Welcome, Fadzai. Thank you, Hilala. Yeah, it's great. And so the reason as to why we're uh, having our legal podcast um sorry, Legal Chatter podcast with Fadzai today, is in the hope that her story, which I find absolutely fascinating, it is our hope that it's going to encourage those who are of similar background, uh, who have traversed through uh, air travel or other forms of travel to land in this great Southland we call Australia, in the hope of uh, finding uh, a new career and creating a better family opportunity for themselves. And Fadza is originally from Zimbabwe. Uh, Zimbabwe. She is uh, an admitted uh, lawyer there in Zimbabwe, and she's also been admitted as a lawyer here within the Supreme Court of Australia, but now works for us uh, at Corny and Lind in Brisbane. So as you can see, those are already three different places as to which her story is uh, traversed. <laughs> and um, I look forward to uh, to hearing it uh, again, Fadzai, and in the hope, uh, as I've said earlier, that it's going to encourage those who've done the whole migrant path, persevered and found their niche uh, in Australia. So tell us a bit about yourself, uh, Fadzai. Thanks, Hilala. So, um I migrated to Australia in January of 2014 to join my husband. Um, he had gotten an opportunity in a, with a mining company in Tasmania. So that's where we were living. Uh, after a few years, we then moved to Perth in Western Australia. Um, and then this year COVID happened and we had to relocate again to Brisbane. So that's how I, I've lived in a, a few different states here in Australia already, um, wow. enjoying the journey so far, lots of obstacles along the way, but nothing that can't be overcome with oh. um, yeah, with some positivity and hard work. Fantastic. And I, um, you know, it's interesting that you said that um, you, you had to overcome a, a lot of obstacles. I mean, uh, as I, I mentioned in the intro, you, you've started off from Zimbabwe, you, you commenced a career there, uh, you moved to Tasmania, um, went to Perth and now find yourself here in Brisbane. And so, you know, what do you recount the obstacles as? Um, I would say initially starting off when I was in Tasmania, um, I had to study online because at the time I couldn't find any other, um, the nearest university campus to where I where, where we were living was four hours away. So oh, like, wow. there's, <laughs> there's no way I could be driving back and forth for lectures and all of that. So I ended up studying online, but at the same time we had a six month year 
old as well. Um, our daughter was just six months when I started studying. So balancing raising our daughter, home duties and study was a challenge. But I'm grateful for the support that I got through Charles Darwin University um, because we they really uh, provided a supportive environment for me. And then when, when we moved to Perth, we actually moved in the hope that I would be able to secure a role uh, because that was just after a year I started with my requalifications. Uh, but as, as you know, it took me about a year and a half to finally uh, land a, a role in Perth. So just those obstacles in trying to find my way back to my career, um, that that was um, a tough time, but I persevered. I I knew where I was going and where, where I wanted to get to, so I just kept at it. When we moved to Perth, I was still studying, and my husband then was working fly in, fly out. So I was again balancing home duties, raising our daughter, um, and for a time, my husband would be away um, for work, and I'd be I'd be studying. So just the juggle without any family support, mm. I would say. <laughs> wow. And um, just for the benefit of our, our, our listeners, if they don't already know, where is Charles Darwin University located? Uh, Charles Darwin University is in the Northern Territory. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so you, you've moved across to Tasmania. You've picked a university which offers online course for law in the Northern Territory. And that's before you make another move from Tasmania to Western Australia to look for work. Is that right? All while juggling a six-month-old. Yes. That yes. is incredible. <laughs> and um, you mentioned as well that your husband was a, a FIFA worker. So uh, that's a fly-in, fly-out. Uh, I take it he's working in the uh, mining or energy sector. Is that right? Yes, he's in the mining sector, yeah. Right. So, you know, uh, from what I understand of FIFA workers, their patterns are subject to changing. And so that's like two weeks on, on site and two weeks off, or sometimes that changes. What was he handling at the time? Um, you started off doing eight days on and six days off. Wow. Um, yes, and then after um, I'd say he settled in his role, um, we were blessed enough that he managed to do four days on and three days back at home. So you'd sometimes go to work on a Tuesday, come back on the Friday night, go back on the Monday. Um, so we we were one, I'd say one of the blessed few ones with, with have such a roster in. Yeah. So he, he did that for, I would say, a year, and then his company then transferred him into a, a, a city-based role. So mm. that, that made the juggling a bit easier. Yeah, and um, you know, and, and you're doing this with uh, with an infant. Yeah. So uh, when he was away, that that would just be the two of you whilst you're also pursuing uh, online studies. Yes. Yeah. Now, you would have already had a career in Zimbabwe and then you're coming here and I'm going to assume doing the Priestly 11 in order to uh, cross credit your units to align with Australian standards. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And I also had to do the graduate diploma with um, for legal practice. I was exempted from doing the work experience component of that based on my previous experience, but I had to do all of the, the I would say, the theory work 
of the graduate diploma as well. So the whole process for me to requalify here in Australia took me two and a half years. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So two and a half years of baby in tow, and then you still had uh, or faced difficulties in, in trying to crack into the, the sector. Is that right? Yeah, that that's right. Um, I, I was, my resume spoke of my previous experience. Mm. Um, but I, this is what I, some of the feedback that I received that I was applying for new graduate roles or paralegal or law clerk roles. Mm. Um, but because of my less traditional career path, it was harder for me to get any break into the market because as you would know, um, most people who end up being lawyers start off as law clerks as paralegal and this is during their university years. So I did try to apply whilst I was studying, but I, I couldn't get a break because my, my resume and what I was applying for was a mismatch. Um, mm -hmm because um, the other thing was, I think it's, I don't know what the term would be, but with the automatic tracking systems that are some, sometimes used by some recruiters, I, my, I wouldn't just make it past because I didn't have an Australian Bachelor of Laws. So that was what also informed my decision to then, instead of just doing a bridging course to requalify, I ended up enrolling for the Bachelor of Laws. Of course, I did get um, credit for the studies that I'd done already, but in order to improve my employment prospects, I decided to go for the full Australian Bachelor of Laws. That's right. And, you know, and, and you even received a Supreme Court medalist for uh, demonstrating outstanding professional promise through your scholarship, character and leadership. Uh, that was from the Northern Territory, wasn't that, back in yes. 2017? Yes, yes. That, uh, that was something special, you know, when you go about your work not realizing the impact that you're having on other people. So I was really honored to receive that award. Um, for demonstrating the leadership and scholarship as well as professionalism, something that could they could even pick up even though I was studying online. So I was really honored to, to be recognized for that. And yet even with that, there was still a struggle in trying to crack into the sector. Um, what did you do to get around that? I. I did a lot of networking. Um, when we moved to Perth, I signed up for different organizations, different professional organizations in the legal sector. Um, and I remember one of the first, first networking event that I attended when we moved from Perth in December 2016 resulted in me getting a job opportunity that would come to me four years later in January of 2020. So oh, wow. I, I I made those relationships. I kept in touch with people that I networked with. I also tried to upskill however I could um, reading recent cases, reading material, um, just to, you know, not to have it to be able to have a conversation and also I found that um, getting up to speed with some of the local news and local knowledge is very helpful because that's a conversation starter so I would say networking and also knowing that when uni ends that's not the end of learning you have to keep learning. 
Well, that's interesting you make that comment about, um, you know, keeping abreast with uh, local news um, and uh, legal updates and, and using that as a conversation starter because, you know, for those, and I speak mainly from the experience of coming from a, a, a migrant and an ethnic community myself here, uh, it doesn't come to us naturally to have to, you know, uh, penetrate into the sector and, mm-hmm. and start conversations, you know, and so you, you don't often know where to start, especially when you're in a room with people who look different from you, with people mm-hmm. who, you know, have had other pathways into the law from you, mm-hmm. and uh, especially when you're a stranger, it can be quite intimidating mm. so um you know uh you you made the good point of you know networking and um, casting a net out wide um and that eventually led to a full-time employment four years later uh from someone that you met at this event um during that season you know uh transitioning from student into uh an australian lawyer um is there any you know what would you say was was the thing that kept you on par or on path that 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 gave you hope that you know because four years is 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 a stretch by any means <laughs> so you know uh, what did you use as your motivation um I would say I didn't want to fail and I didn't want to fail not just for myself but for the others that were looking at me so fantastic yeah so I just I just kept it it and and I'll I'll give you a big story when I was investigating how to requalify I reached out to a few people from the migrant community just looking for information on what the process is and I'll tell you um for most of them they their view was it's too hard for Zai to do this just leave it um the time it would take you to requalify the time it would take you to find another job if you even find another job is not worth it so for me have giving that feedback and then digging deeper and asking them what they had done themselves to try to requalify and then finding out that for most people this the process it just it was just too hard to even begin so in a way that motivated me to say look i i have to try and change the story i have to try and change this narrative um yes it is hard but if i can do it if i can get there then i can set an example for others who might not even be from a migrant background but for people who are facing a, a, and other hardships to get into any sector to get employment. So I, I would say that's what motivated me. And um, a few late years later, after I graduated and I found my first role and then the second role, speaking to one of my mentors, I it, it solidified that for me, this is stopped being about me. It stopped being about me a long time ago because I have people now who look up to me who say, but first I did it so I can also do it. So in a way, yeah, that keeps me, that keeps me going. That keeps me going to to just set an example and to just represent um, a, a different community to have representation of people from of someone from a different ethnic background 
and in a way, because I have a daughter as well, I want my daughter to know that she can be anything and anyone that she sets her mind to. Well, that's amazing. That's wonderful, Fadza. You know, and kudos to you for for being that representation for your community and the next generation coming through um, that, you know, that may think that it, it seems impossible. Um, you know, and so uh, just to pick up on that point, you mentioned your daughter and uh, how you want to leave a, a legacy for her. I I read somewhere, and I might have heard through our own, you know, office grapevine, um, mm-hmm. that you, um, you know, when you were practicing back in Zimbabwe, you developed a real interest in women's rights mm-hmm. and in children's rights mm-hmm. and inheritance laws. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's almost like a threefold combination. But I, I went on to to uh, hear that, you know, you, you also pursued uh, advocacy and training, uh, which I am going to assume was a, is a skill that would have enabled you to do further in these three areas. Is there a, is there a backstory as to why the interest in, or in these passion areas? Um, I think for me, I'd say, you know, the community that I grew up in, it, it, uh, you know, you get exposed to a lot of things. There's the domestic violence. There's, you know, you hear stories of women being disinherited simply because she's a woman. So when I then started studied women's law when I was in university in Zimbabwe, it sort of opened up my mind to the different obstacles and factors that that women face when they are trying to assert their legal rights. So after I. I then got an opportunity when I was still a student to intern with the Zimbabwe Women Lawyers Organization. And Mm -hmm. I saw the reality of it, you know, women coming forth, trying to get assistance with um, protection orders and people, women coming forth who had been disinherited, you know, their husband had died soon after the burial, they'd been kicked out of the house. So that you know, that fueled me. I wanted to use my legal skills and I still want to use my legal skills to assist people who are facing that kind of hardship. People would um, normally not have access to legal advice and assistance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with inheritance and uh, family domestic violence and children's matters, uh, those are usually people who are vulnerable as well. So for me to be able to use my legal skills and knowledge to assist them and coming from a community where you know that these things are real and alive, that mm. that fueled my passion and it still does. <laughs> because I'll tell you a very funny story. When I moved from, from Zimbabwe to here, you know, coming from a third world country into a yeah. first world country, you would think uh, family domestic violence is a third world problem. And then... <laughs> oh, I assure you it isn't. <laughs> yes, yes, and you move here and you're like, okay, this is everywhere. It's a universal issue. So mm. I still want to use my legal skills to, to assist in that. Oh, that's that's tremendous. That's wonderful. And, uh, you know, you spoke about uh, inheritance uh, laws and how um, you mentioned about women once their husband dies, they get kicked off land. Has, has that legislation changed since? Yes, yes, it, it, it did change in 1995. Uh, mm-hmm. But when I started working, uh, that was in 2010. So 
it was still, it's something that people were aware of. They were aware that there was a change in legislation, but in the rural areas of Zimbabwe, that awareness was not really there. So part of the work that I did was going into those deep, deep parts of the country to mm. do some community education and community awareness to help uh, with the administration of, of that, of that now i couldn't say new law but it was new for some in 2010 they still hadn't heard of it um and hadn't uh -huh. heard of how the the laws had changed to, in order to advance the rights of women and children wow so you went into those areas advised them of their rights and then took it a step further not only with the community and education but i understand you took it a step further in order to do some representation is that right yes yes when when i was doing the the, the work with the zimbabwe women lawyers association after i was admitted in zimbabwe i was doing that on the on a pro bono basis because i was working in a law firm so the exposure that I got working in a law firm with the advocacy with going to court meant that they could call upon me because I already had that experience of attending court. Um, they would call upon me to to represent women as well um, in court for their inheritance and children and divorce matters as well. So it, 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 my role in, in the law firm sort of complemented my passion with mm. uh, with the domestic violence and the inheritance work that I was doing. Oh, Fadzai, that's commendable. You certainly sound like you've come full circle from there. Um, and so just to to, to close uh, our, our chat off, I mean, it's been great speaking to you. And, you know, you've got lots of stories, which I'm sure everyone can, you know, take away from at least of which is perseverance for the, the places that you've uh, you've not only been to but you've um, you've traveled through and and come out on the other side what would you say are your uh, three um uh, practical tips for anyone who is navigating a similar season or similar circumstances i would say for me the first thing is don't don't lose hope don't lose um focus don't don't give up it can be hard um, especially if you are watching your peers and seeing them progress and you seem to be stuck in the same place, just keep at it. I, if I tell you the number of roles that I applied for before I even landed my first role. You, well, how many? Up. Give us a rough number. I'm just <laughs> going to encourage all the law students out there. <laughs> I've, I've kept all of them in my Dropbox. is now telling me that, look, you know, your Dropbox is becoming too full. But I think but when I last counted, it was up to 300. Wow, and, uh, 300 and, applications. Yes, and you know, with them, with some of them, uh, if it's in a government department with addressing the key selection criteria as well. Mm. Uh, so coming from someone who's applied that many times, I would say don't give up because the one thing that you need, all you need is the one yes that will turn your life around. It's just that one yes and you be off and running. So don't give up, just keep at it, don't lose hope. Um, the second thing is network. Network, you need to, to get to know people, you need people to know you because you need people who can vouch, who can attest to the person that you are. So move out of your comfort zone. I know it, it might be difficult sometimes, but just try to find networking events that you can attend. If you're still in uni, 
that's the best place to start. You know, mm. you can also get membership uh, for some of the professional organizations for free if you're a student. So try to join mem uh, professional organizations, attend events, uh, put your name out there and get in touch. If you connect with someone, keep in touch. Um, someone said to me, you know, when you connect with someone, it might take up to three, three, they call them three touches. Like you meet them, you contact them, you contact them until a relationship is established. So don't meet someone for the first time you say hi, and then you don't talk to them for the next three years. Try to keep in touch with people that you connect with. Um, and remember, not every relationship that is developed through networking is meant you are meant to get something out of it. it it doesn't normally work that way so network with an open mind um with an expectation that something might or might not come out of it network with a view to get mentorship as well uh, mm -hmm. because some of the people that you network with are, are industry leaders. So learn from them, even if they don't have a job opportunity available for you right at that point, there are other things that you can learn from them that will be useful for you down the track. Um, and then the third thing I, I would say is take care of yourself. Take care mm -hmm. of mental That's important. Yes. Yeah, take care of your mental and physical health. Um, it can be hard. I, I don't want to lie to you, having gone through, um, faced some of the obstacles that I faced, but if you don't take care of yourself, if you don't, you know, if you don't exercise, if you don't eat healthy, um, if you meditate, if you meditate, do what you need to do to keep yourself well. Because what 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 would that job matter if you are unwell? Your family needs you. Um, we still need you. Uh, whoever is going to employ you needs you. So let's learn to be kind to ourselves. Um, and to just take a step back when it seems overwhelming surround yourself with people who can uplift you, who understand the journey that you're on and what you're trying to do, because there's no point in having toxic people around you or people who tell you that what you're trying to achieve is impossible. So surround yourself with people who uplift you, who encourage you. Um, and sometimes they might give you a reality check. If it's coming from a place of love, that's good. Um, yes, absolutely. It, yes, yes. So it, it's good to have, uh, especially as migrants if you're a migrant if you for most of us we don't have any other family here so try to find your your support network people who can help you and people that you can talk to that is fantastic Fadzai. thank you so much for joining uh, me today on legal chatter um you have dropped a number of gold nuggets which i'm sure most people will be able to relate to and take something uh, home with them from uh, our discussion today. You're an amazing ambassador for the Zimbabwe community. Can Thank I just you. say that? Um, and, you know, um, having been on a similar path myself, I, I relate to most of what you're saying. And um, you're absolutely right um, in regards to the practical advice that you've given, but also just in regards to the reality of how hard it is to, to crack into uh, a sector here, uh, coming from the outside in. So you've articulated that well, and uh, thank you for that. And um, yeah, for all our listeners out uh, listening to us uh, on today, 
today's episode. We hope that that's been of some form of encouragement to you. God bless you. We'll see you at the next one. Thank you for listening to the Corny and Lind Legal Chatter Podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode of Corny and Lind Legal Chatter. If you require specific legal advice for your situation, contact us directly on 07-3252-0011 or go to www.cornyandlind.com.au forward slash contact.